welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk. I'm trying to be really quiet because Amaldine is in the room sleeping next door to me and I don't want to wake her up for obvious reasons. So hopefully you can all hear me okay. So we arrived. We've arrived here in France and Hendrik's parents' house. We got here last night at 12.30, so this morning I guess, and I remember looking at my clock about 1.30, climbing into bed once we got Amaldine sorted. So Amaldine's sleeping in her own room here, which she hasn't ever done before. She is in the little kid's room and she slept like an absolute dream last night. So when we put her down finally, she slept all the way through until probably half past eight this morning, which is half past seven UK time. Now, the one thing I absolutely love about this house, I obviously love more than one thing, but and all French houses pretty much, is they all have these huge shutters on the outsides of the windows, which pretty much blocks out any form of light whatsoever. Plus we woke up to a slightly overcast morning so there was no light, not even a hint of around the window light coming into her room and I think that alongside being super super tired made her sleep for that long. So she had a total of about 10 hours rest. She slept from yeah let's say 1am until 8.30 and then she slept for the car journey from Bordeaux airport to where we are which is two hours. She started to get a little bit antsy when we um, were the last 15 minutes coming up to the house but I think that was because she'd done a little bit of a poo and she just was not a happy bunny when she has poo in her nappy. She didn't sleep at all since leaving home and arriving in Bordeaux so she didn't nap for about seven hours which is extreme for Amandine. Amandine if she's at home she likes to go down still every two and a half to three hours over three hours and she starts to rub her eyes really get a little bit antsy excuse me yawning I'm a little bit tired myself and unfortunately I have got Amandine's cold so I'm sick but never mind I can mission on through just like I did last time Uh, Yeah, so seven hours was a really long time for Amandine not to have a nap, but she was great. She was a real joy. All flight, she didn't have any issues. She was just playing and goo-goo-ga-ga-ing. I mean, it was an easy flight. It was an hour and 15 minutes, super easy. By the time we'd got up and I'd bought chocolate from the (laughs) cabin crew, um, we were pretty much down again. So it was easy. The car journey to the airport wasn't ideal it took us a little bit longer than normal there were lots of roadworks on the way to Bristol so that was a pain normally Amandine would sleep um but she didn't you might be able to just hear her coughing a little bit in the background she has got quite the cough and yeah when we got to the airport we had a nightmare check-in so we booked Amandine a seat it was actually cheaper for us to book her a seat again than pay the infant price with EasyJet so we booked her a seat so we had three seats and because when you book them a seat when they're not two years old they won't let you check um they wouldn't let us check Amandine online in online because her passport obviously doesn't match the box you have to tick to book a child a seat saying that they're over two years of age so when you get to the airport even though you call EasyJet and you tell them and you know you ask them to check them in and all that business 
they still ask you to go to the main desk, or they asked us anyway to go to the main desk. This is the third time this has happened. It's fine, normally it's fine. But they had one lady on the desk at EasyJet, uh, which was the special assistance desk, the speedy boarding desk, and any other inquiry desk. <laughs> so one lady. Every time one person went from like the speedy boarding and normal inquiry queue, a special assistance, and obviously, you know, they get priority, so rightly they should. Um, but it was a little bit frustrating, and it took us an hour and 15 minutes to stand in a queue just to get Amandine checked in so we could get a boarding pass for her. It's a really bad system because, you know, <laughs> we didn't need to be in that queue. We really didn't. We could have checked her in online. It would have been absolutely fine. But because they, you know, didn't match up, we had to be in that queue. And when I arrived into the queue to check in, there were only four people in front of me. And it took her an hour. I mean, it wasn't the lady behind the desk fault. It was just the fact that, you know, she had all the special assistants come at the same time as trying to deal with us. Um, hour and 15 minutes. So by the time we'd actually made it through, Hendrik had queued all the way out of Bristol Airport to go and park the car. Um, and then he'd got the bus back from car parking all the way back to us. And I hadn't moved in the queue at all. So we had 10 minutes by the time we got through security. And we did fast track as well, but by the time we got through security, you have to take your baby off and, you know, unpack your liquids and all of that stuff. We had 10 minutes before our gate was announced. And literally, as we arrived at the gate, it was very quick. I'd never boarded a plane that quick. We went down the speedy boarding aisle and literally straight onto the aeroplane. I didn't even have time to change her nappy or change her into her PJs, which was my plan. Anyway, I jumped straight on the plane and I went straight into the loo to get her nappy changed and also uh, get her into her PJs for the flight because it was around, our flight was taking off at 7, so 6.30, it was around PJ time. And this is when the most embarrassing thing happened. You may have seen, if you follow my Instagram, I put a list of what was packed in my changing bag. And I specified Amandine's bottom cream, <laughs> as a few of you messaged and pointed out to me that I had specified Amandine's bottom cream. And so Hendrik had all of the liquids and you have to put the nappy cream in the liquid sachet bag thingy. And so Hendrik had those in his hand luggage. He decided to take a hand luggage in the end to take um, the bits and pieces we'd bought for the aeroplane ride. And so I was in the loo and all of these passengers were passing by, coming onto the plane. They didn't know I'd gone into the loo with a baby. So Amandine, so Hendrik, sorry, comes outside the loo door, which is right where everyone's entering and goes, Emma, Emma, do you need the bottom cream? <laughs> to which I almost died in the aeroplane toilet literally almost died and I was like no thank you I'm fine anyway so I really hope all of those people that heard Hendrik say that also saw me come out of the loo with a baby otherwise that would have been really embarrassing Hendrik did say that the um air hostess that was standing there did give him a little bit of a weird look apparently and he did say oh it's for my baby it's Amandine's bottom cream oh my goodness I think I must have just gotten so tomato red in the loo knowing that 
I mean, maybe no one even heard, but yeah, it was quite funny. So a couple of tips from my travel, because we haven't traveled with Amandine since she's been, uh, well, I mean, a few weeks ago, but it was a really short flight and it was to Geneva. And I guess, I guess I associate that with different things. But last time we came to France, Amandine was, uh, maybe seven months old. Um, so Amandine's a little bit bigger now. It is getting harder to travel with her in the Ergo Baby. I love it. She still loves it, but she does like to be out and about and moving around a little bit more, whether it's still in our arms because she's still not crawling or anything. Um, but she doesn't particularly like to be cooped up in the Ergo Baby too much. I don't think it'll be long before we start using a travel pram because I just think that'll make things a little bit easier. Amandine can see a bit easier. She can also nap a little bit easier because imagine if there was a delay and at least then she could now nap. She doesn't nap so well in her Ergo Baby anymore um, and she will nap hopefully a little bit better in a pram if I make it quite dark for her, get one of those snooze shades. So I think it won't be too long till we start traveling with a pram. Uh, we also travelled with our um, backpack but we checked that, so the Baby Carrier Osprey backpack, I've bought that again so when Hendrik goes surfing I can take some nice long walks along the beach and Amandine can sit up in it, she can see everything, there's a sunshade, there's a rain shade, just makes walking a lot easier than in the Ergo Baby. Now Amandine really wants to be up seeing things out and about um, and really taking everything in. What else can I share with you from our travel uh, yesterday? Um, oh yes, so I'm going to show you this when we pack it again. But I packed my uh, hand luggage with pouches this time. So I had a hand luggage, which was my uh, rucksack. And I was actually very kindly given, Lululemon sent me this awesome rucksack. And it has a separate bit at the bottom and then a main carry section. Now this is obviously I guess meant for your trainers or smelly sports gear or something so it doesn't kind of infect the rest of your backpack but actually for a changing bag it works so so well so you can open the bottom and you have all of the access to a change of clothes, your nappies, your wipes, everything that you need in that bottom section you don't have to open the main compartment and rummage through and find everything that you need so really really useful I'll share it on my Instagram if anyone is looking for a rucksack it's not cheap if you were to buy it I think it retails for about 98 pounds so as far as a rucksack goes it's pretty expensive but um it was so great and the other thing I really liked about it was um the handles so the backpack things that go over your shoulders, what are they called, straps, are really flat. So when you're wearing an ergo baby as well, the flat straps almost sit underneath the ergo baby. So it's super, super comfy. I wasn't uncomfortable wearing it at all. Really handy to know, I think, when you're looking for a rucksack and you're going to be wearing the ergo baby as well. But yeah, so I have a food pouch, anything to do with food, I put in one pouch. Anything to do with nappy changing, I put in another pouch. Anything to do with games, so I had a little drawstring tie of games for her, and toys and teethers, and then I also had a very small little um, pouch for my stuff, like anything I needed. I always take emergency breast pads, I take an, emergen an emergency couple of pads because I never know when I'm going to start my period again, who knows, and I just don't want to get caught sh short, so I've got a couple of pads and I've got a couple of tampons. Um, I've probably been thinking I should put a spare pair of pants in there as well recently just because yeah I just never know when it's gonna strike and I feel like I'm nine months 
postpartum now, still haven't had a period. And this is actually a topic that has come up recently, which I need to start posting about on my Instagram to um, get a little bit of connection from you guys and listeners as to, um, it's been, yeah, a question that's asked a lot, but I haven't got mine yet. So it'd be interesting to hear um, if anyone has uh, had it, much experience with breastfeeding and getting periods back which brings me on to the topic of breastfeeding and this is what this podcast is all about and I want to talk to you all about it I'm really excited to cover all of your questions and I have them here right in front of me but first of all I'm going to share my journey with you um through breastfeeding So I have to say my journey was quite easy. It started off quite a painful one, but it has been fairly straightforward. I find when you're a first time mum, you know, that's all the experience I can actually put this to. Uh, But you've just got to figure it out. I do believe that no, no one should be left should leave the hospital if that's where you have your baby or the birthing centre without being shown or given a hand how to breastfeed. I was offered loads of help if I needed it. I didn't really feel that I needed it but in hindsight I wish I'd asked even though I felt like it was okay. I wish I'd asked for my latch to be checked a few more times because it was down to a poor latch. I got blisters on my nipples and they got chapped and red and they started bleeding and that was really quite painful and I had that for a couple of weeks and then it passed, and I've got some pretty damn tough nipples now, I have to say. Um, I do know a few mums that just got too much, they couldn't deal with it, um, and stopped breastfeeding, and that's totally fine. If if it's just too painful, then that's, you know, your decision to make. Um, but I, I did get to a point where I was like, God, this is painful if this goes on for much longer, I'm not too sure how longer I can keep going, but there are way more things you can try. So I have a friend who uses nipple shields and they work really, really well for her. She used them from day one um, and still uses them and is more than happy using them. She uh, finds that the baby doesn't get confused between bottle and nipple shields because obviously it's very much the same texture in the mouth. So there are loads of things you can ask your health advisor or a breastfeeding specialist to talk about if you are really struggling with breastfeeding. Always make sure you go to them first. I really would say if you if you're wanting to breastfeed, don't just give up. Go and seek some advice first without thinking, I can't do it. I really can't do it. Because there are loads of things that they can advise you on which might make it easier for you to keep going. But obviously, if it's not for you, don't do it. It's your body. You have the right to choose and don't feel pressured. I know there's a lot of pressure around breastfeeding, but don't be. It's your decision. Okay, so the first time I breastfed was when Amandine had I'd given birth to Amandine onto the out into the water it was a water birth if you want to go and listen to my birth story head back in the podcast you will find it um season one we got onto the bed out of the pool and wriggled up onto the bed and they checked Amandine over uh while she was in my arms and put her straight onto my boob. The midwife was really helpful and she literally stuffed my boob into Amandine's mouth. Amandine pretty much found my nipple by herself, but when she when she was up there level with my boob, 
yeah, the midwife just really helped. I think she could see how nervous I was and, you know, whether it was going to be painful and it wasn't. It was the most natural thing that has ever happened. And she took to it like a pro. Yeah, an absolute pro. I did have struggle with my latch, but I will come back to it. But we fed there the tiniest amount, of course. And then I'm very much um, pro on-demand feeding. And I would even say now... Amandine is very much on demand. If she is asking for it and staring at my boob and really wanting milk, I'll give it to her. Oh, another yawn. Sorry, gosh, I am really tired. <laughs> a day of traveling with a newborn, with a baby. She's not a newborn anymore, but yeah, it's tough work. So then when we got home, we left the hospital the same day, uh, literally a few hours later. Um, when we got home, I just continued to breastfeed whenever... Um, Whenever Amandine felt that she needed it, there was a lot of cluster feeding. Cluster feeding is so normal. I get so many messages saying, oh, you know, my baby is feeding like literally nonstop between five o'clock and seven o'clock, something like that. And yes, that happened to me too. Amandine was be perfect, permanently attached to my boob, pretty much. I would say from early as four o'clock sometimes all the way through until eight o'clock sometimes. She would just be cluster feeding all the time. And it was tough at some points. Yeah, it was really tough, but it doesn't last forever. I promise you that stage passes. It really does pass. Um, and she won't need to take on that much. And you might find that it comes and goes. So you'll cluster feed for a little bit and then she won't need it. And then she'll come back to cluster feeding a little bit. Um, but trust them. Trust your baby's instincts. Know when they need to be fed. And if you're happy to, just let them feed. Just let them feed. So I am also talking on this podcast about bottle feeding, breastfeeding, incorporating the two because we didn't early enough and it made our life really, really challenging and I have to say Amandine has only just started to really, really take the bottle. I mean, not just started to, maybe she's been doing it for a couple of months but now she holds the bottle by herself and she's more than happy to. But I remember when I was pregnant... I really wanted to give Amandine the bottle when we were kind of between four and six weeks, which is what they really recommend if you want to be doing both, because I wanted Hendrik to be able to feed her and um, maybe take a little bit of the load off me. But I have to say, four to six weeks, I didn't push it. I wasn't ready. I love breastfeeding. When my journey with breastfeed breastfeeding ends, I will be quite upset I think I love it I still do absolutely adore breastfeeding and I wasn't ready I didn't want to give her a bottle um Hendrik was pushing for it but I pretty much found every excuse under the sun not to give her the bottle I think if you are adamant that you want and I survived you know I did survive I'm tired but I survived and I probably wouldn't have had it any other way because I know how much I loved and love breastfeeding. <laughs> um, but if you do want other people to help, I'd say the four to six week window is a really good window. Window. Also, we had a lot of trouble with our latch between maybe three to six weeks. And I was nervous about giving Amandine the bottle that she would find it a lot easier than my boob and my breastfeeding journey would be over way, way too soon. So that was one of the excuses I used. Whether it would have actually helped her latch or not, or I just don't know because that wasn't the way it worked for us. Um, but yeah, I was nervous about that too, about giving her the bottle and her finding it way easier and then losing my breastfeeding. 
I would also say use Lanisol, is it Lanisol? Lanisol uh, nipple cream, it's the one that's in the purple tube. Use that one from day one. I didn't. I used some natural ones. I also actually used No Harm Nipple Balm, which is great. It really is great, but that's not what I started using. In fact, I started using, yes, and if you go back to season one, you'll hear me talk about them. I started using the Silver Nipple Shields. You put them on after you've breastfed, and they are meant to heal the nipples and soothe the nipples. Didn't work in my case at all. Um, so I would definitely go for the Purple Tube uh, cream. It's absolutely brilliant and I found it worked. The minute I started using that, my nipples all cleared up, the um, soreness went and I would use it a good multiple times a day. I think I went through two tubes of that stuff and it is hard to get through. <laughs> um, it's it is thick, it's really thick, uh, but yeah, slap it on, really slap it on. You don't have to wipe it off before you give baby your nipple. I would say if it is, you know, covered in lanolin or whatever it's called, I would probably wipe some excess off before giving baby your nipple, but I don't think you have to. And I don't remember, no, I definitely don't remember wiping my boobs before giving um, Amandine my nipple. So, yeah. What else can I tell you? Um, yeah, definitely use that. I use breast pads. I use reusable breast pads because my boobs would leak all the time, nonstop. In fact, I think I had leaky boobs right the way and through until at least six months. So I use reusable breast pads and they're fantastic. Really, really great. The odd thing to watch out for is um, like maybe a hair or two of fabric on your nipple before giving um, your boob to your baby. I didn't think about this until my friend said, oh my gosh, my boobs are always covered in the, in the, in fibres from my breast pad. And I looked one day and was like, oh God, yeah, mine are too. I've been giving them to Amandine covered in all of these fibres. Don't really think in the long term that it matters, um, in the long run, because, you know, they're, it'll probably come out in their poo as well. What else can I say? Um, when I'm ill... I have a significant reduction in breast milk, significant reduction. So I use my pump a lot when I'm ill to help produce even more. And I sometimes Amandine won't take the bottle when she's ill. So I will pump and I will continue to pump. And also it has been said that when your baby's ill and you put them on your boob, somehow your boob can figure out what it needs to give your baby to help them recover better. Now, obviously, if you give them a bottle, you don't have that instinct from your body over to your baby. So I do try and breastfeed Amandine more rather than give her the bottle uh, if she needs that when she is ill. Now, Amandine right now, during this ill uh, section of being ill, is still taking the bottle. So I probably will keep going with that because it's habit. And also my boobs are so used to being pumped at those particular times that, um, yeah, I'm not sure she really needs as much milk as I'm pumping because I'm trying to produce the bottle for the 7pm feed, if you see what I mean. Um... So pumping definitely, I find, increases my supply. Now, I use the LV pump. I'm going to answer some specific questions on the LV pump when I go through the questions in particular. Um, but for me, it's been brilliant. Yes, it does leak a little bit. If you read reviews, you'll read that it leaks. Yes. 
don't quite know how they get a ballet dancer to dance around in the adverts wearing an LV pump because the minute it gets a little bit full, it would go everywhere. Um, you can't bend down to pick up your baby and tip your body over, the milk will come out. You have to stay upright. You have to be sitting upright if you're sitting down. You can't be lying down, obviously. It will become clear, but when you see the actual pump, because there's no way of keeping the milk in, it's not it's not particularly sealed effectively um, to keep the milk in if you were to, you know, top, tip yourself upside down and stuff. So the one most thing I find annoying is if I'm feeding her before a nap or something and I'm putting the, the pump on at the same time, because there's no doubt about it, I produce more milk in the pump if I'm feeding her off the other boob. Um, I can't then bend down to put Amandine in her cot because the milk comes out and it goes everywhere and it's very frustrating. So that's all I would say about the LV pump negative. Everything else has been positive. It really is a fantastic piece of kit, but I will come back to that. I did also use the Hacker. Uh, no, not the Hacker. Sorry, it's very similar to it. It's the Nature Bond um, hand pump suction that basically just collects your letdown from the other pump. Now, every time I used this, I didn't use it very often, but every time I used it, Amandine would kick it off. And the last straw for me was when she spilt so much milk all the way down our sofa. I spilt it, sorry, I shouldn't place the blame. But Amandine did kick it uh, because of the way I was holding her. And that was the last straw. And from then, I stopped using it. But my point behind this is, until I got a proper pump, which was when Amandine was six months old, I did not start, or five months old, I did not start trying to bottle feed Amandine till then. So that's why we had such a challenge, because it was so late that we started five months in, you know, all she wants is the boob, she doesn't want anything else. But our real turning point was when we started to give Amandine things like a beaker, and she started to take a little bit of water. That was around six months stage when she started getting used to putting other things in her mouth aside from my boob and aside from, you know, things that she'd pick up. So things that she'd suck on that were other than my boob, that's when we really hit a turning point. And we did try a couple of bottles. We tried the Nuke and UK bottle and we also try the Minbi bottles. Minbi are what we continue to use. They're glass bottles with a silicone teat and I love them because they're glass uh, and they've been brilliant. I don't know if our success was down to the bottles or not. I actually think it was just down to perseverance. So I will come back to this, but essentially we persevered three times a day for about two months. I reckon it was two to three months. Yeah, two months before she really started to take it. Now she's nine months. If she sees her bibon, we call it, it's a bottle. If she even sees it, milk or no milk, she reaches for it and shoves it in her mouth. So that's how much she wants it. So I really do believe if you persevere, 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 they will get it and they will want it. Um, yeah. Storing breast milk. Uh, I'll actually come back to your questions on that. But that's basically been my journey. So I have been feeding on demand with Amandine from day one, giving her the bottle from about five months or trying from about five months once I got my express 
machine. Now we will only give her, give her a bottle at 7pm in the evening or if I'm not there. For instance, I went to um, a funeral not so long ago. Amandine took the bottle with um, Hendrik and I would really like to get to a point, for instance, I'm teaching SUP yoga in a couple of weeks and I'm going to be leaving Amandine with my mum. When she wakes up from her nap, she's going to be hungry and if I'm not there, it would be great if she takes the bottle and she might need topping up after she's had a bit of food or something like that. So it's a really, really great thing to have, um, especially if you want to have a little bit of time and knowing that they will take some milk if you're not there. Let's get on to your questions before I start waffling on. So first question, I want my husband to bottle feed as well as breastfeed. Um, when can I pump and start this? So yeah, I would really follow if you're des if you really want to do that, I would follow the four to six week guidelines um, and do that. Now the one thing that the mini min B sell their bottles on is um, they say that the teat is very much like breastfeeding, so there's little confusion between breastfeeding and bottle feeding for the baby. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I can't tell you if that's true. For us, it's worked really well. Amandine takes my boob. She never wants the bottle more. Um, we don't have any nipple confusion going on. Uh, don't know if that's the bottle or just the fact that I breastfeed for so long. But if you really want your husband to help from the very early days, I would definitely say follow the guidelines of between four and six weeks or, and when you feel comfortable breastfeeding. Um, if you are struggling with breastfeeding and struggling with your latch, I probably wouldn't recommend starting bottle feeding just yet. I think there's a danger of baby going for bottle if they're finding latching onto your breast difficult. How long, second question, how long before you became confident feeding in public, 10 weeks into my breastfeeding journey? I was breastfeeding uh, at our local farmer's marketplace when Amandine was 12 days old, I think, even before then. Pretty sure I went to Darts Farm maybe when Amandine was 9 or 10 days old. So yeah, very, very early, early on. What I tend to do is I tend to wear a strappy top underneath whatever I'm wearing and then a jumper over the top or a big floppy t-shirt over the top. Then I'll pull my strap top down and my bra down and lift my jumper or my t-shirt, baggy t-shirt up and I'll very slightly drape it over her face, obviously making sure that um, she can breathe. Amandine, anytime I put a muslin over me, Amandine will grab it and rip it off. She doesn't like it. She hasn't from day one. I find the t-shirt method a lot easier. So baggy jumper, baggy t-shirt over a strap top, pull the strap top down, lift the t-shirt up and you have your boob. It's very, very, very discreet. Less discreet than a muslin, I think, because people, I think it looks like you're just cradling your baby if you are nervous. Otherwise, just whap it out. I now just whap it out. And I have to say, kind of, I still do. And did from day one, actually. I think my um, prenatal yoga girls and I went out to Darts Farm day 12. And we were all feeding our babies. And there were six of us, I think. And one of the girls' husbands. And we all had our boobs out. And you know what? It was a really empowering moment. And I don't think anyone... There were a group of slightly older... Um, couples behind us who I don't really know how they felt about it but most people just smile I find um, I have had a few but don't let it 
stop you from going out, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I would say go out, go out with some girlfriends who are also breastfeeding maybe, and it'll help you feel a lot more comfortable for your first time if you haven't been out there already. Do you feed to sleep daytime or night? Oh yes, I did. I don't anymore because Amandine doesn't need it anymore. Um, and she wakes up when she's finished breastfeeding. She looks at me as if to say, right, ready to go in the cot now, please, mummy. I put her in the cot and then she goes to sleep. Amandine to learn, learned to do that all by herself. I didn't press it. In the early days, again, go back, listen to season one uh, podcast. I was really stressing about feeding Amandine to sleep because she would fall to sleep on my boob every single time. And obviously, a lot of people advise against that heavily. So for us, it worked out perfectly. I fed her to sleep all the way through till she was probably at least four months old. She would fall to sleep on my boob. I would put her down. Now, essentially, that's meant to help. If if you wake them up when you put them down... Um, then when they wake in the cot, when they sleep, it's easier for them to self-soothe them back to sleep, themselves back to sleep. That's great. For us, it didn't really make a difference because Amandine found her thumb around the same time I was encouraging self-soothing. So she will now suck her thumb to sleep when she wakes up, and I guess that's like sucking on the nipple or sucking on a pacifier. We've never used a pacifier. We haven't needed to. Um... Again, all babies are different, so I'm not saying Amandine was fine feeding to sleep, she grew out of it by herself. Your baby may not be the same, but don't stress about it. And I did feed to sleep in answer to your question. Both daytime and nighttime. If you collect just milk from your letdown, is that still rich enough for a bottle feed? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd say so. We give, um, I actually give both AM and PM milk for a bottle feed. I've heard two things. I've heard your AM feed, your first milk of the day is the best to give them at night. And I've also heard your PM feed is the best to give them at night because it's full of all the sleep inducing whatever they need. Sleep inducing milk is in the, is produced in the evening. Rich, heavy milk is produced in the morning. So there's two schools of thought. Rich, heavy milk will put your baby to sleep better. Uh, and then sleep inducing milk will also put your baby to sleep better because that's what they're meant to be having essentially. So I don't really know. Um, but for us, it hasn't made a difference, but I would say yes the milk from your letdown is still rich enough for a bottle feed. Uh, do you feed A to sleep? Yes, I do. I fed my eight months to sleep every night, but starting to think about stopping it. Tips and ideas. So tips and ideas on that. Tips and ideas if you've gone to eight months feeding to sleep. I would say during the nap times in the day, I wouldn't worry too much about your nighttime routine yet. Um, I think if you're if you're working your night times and they're working well for you, you need sleep too. So stick with what you're doing at night. Start during the daytime and naps. When you feed, feed them perhaps before you put her in or him. Sorry, you said him, didn't you? Um, oh no, maybe not. You didn't specify. <laughs> um, if you put her or him to sleep uh, in PJs or whatever, perhaps feed before then change their nappy, then put them into the PJs, then put them down. Maybe that's one thing to do. Or feed, then sit them upright, give them a cuddle, sing them a little song, 
then put them down into their cot. There are a couple of things that I do with Amandine, um, and that's how we start. I don't know if they're a thumb sucker or if they have like a favourite muslin that you can put in, something that's breathable uh, that you can put into their cot with them. Um, obviously nothing that's going to endanger them whilst they sleep, but by eight months they can normally move things away from their face if they don't want them to be there. Um, yes, perhaps a couple of things like that might work for you. Weaning off the boob. I am not there yet, so I can't tell you how to do that, and I don't know. I was chatting to her mum at swimming a couple of days ago, and she said as her babe starts eating a lot more, she's wanting less food, so it's a very natural process. And um, she's also doing uh, bottle feeds in the evening rather than breast milk. And I think perhaps it's something like just gradually reducing it, reducing it down, um, putting the bottle in for the boob if you're expressing great or if you're formulaing instead for that last feed of the day or first feed in the morning, whatever. Maybe replace boob with bottle. Something along those lines, that's what I'm guessing. There are some really great blogs on weaning off the boob um, if it's not happening naturally for you. So I will try and find those and get those up on my Instagram for you. Would love to know when people manage, when going back to work with weaning and expressing... Yeah, I think it's really tough, actually. Um, <laughs> so I know my friend who's been on the podcast a couple of times. She's known as Somewhat Rad on Instagram. She doesn't really share a huge amount of her weaning and that kind of thing um, on. But I know that her breastfeeding journey ended as she went back to work. Um, she was pumping all the time at work. She, there was a room where she could pump and there was a, a, milk, a, a fridge where she could store milk at work. Um, and she would pump for every feed that she missed, and her husband, they took shared parental leave, her husband would give their son the bottle of her expressed milk and also take over the weaning. I don't know how that works if you have a nanny or if you have a um, care, or if if they're at nursery. What I'm planning on doing is covering this in the podcast. I want to get Rebecca back on the podcast to chat about how she's finding going back to work. So hopefully I'll be able to cover that for you in a later, at a later date. But going into too much detail, I can't really with that one, I'm afraid. But she was also using one extra thing. She was also using the LV pump. And I think that made breast, uh, expressing at work a lot less um, of a big deal at work. So it might be worth looking into a pump which is more discreet if that's something that you want to do. Juggling breastfeeding and pumping. How long after a feed do you pump and scheduling? Yeah, quite tricky actually. So um, I, I feel like I'm only just finding my groove with this. I pump in the morning. Amandine takes one boob in the morning, so I pump the other milk out of the other. Now that will create about 120 ml for her evening bottle, but I will also pump in the evening at 7pm when we give her a bottle. So to start with, to start the ball rolling, I have to pump a little bit more because I give her about 150 to 180 ml for her night feed. So for instance, today we're in France, I don't have any back log of milk in my fridge so I will pump a little bit more out when she's feeding maybe around four o'clock if she has a bit of a top-up feed around then um just to get that extra 40 ml or whatever 
And then I will pump, when we give her the bottle at 7pm tonight, I'll pump again. And I will probably get about 140ml this evening. So then that starts to create the backlog. So I will put that 140ml in the fridge for tomorrow's bottle. But tomorrow morning I will also pump when I'm giving Amandine her first feed on my boob. And then that will give me another 120ml. And do you see how it goes? And then I will mix the two feeds into her morning uh, from the morning and the previous evening for her evening bottle at 7pm. That's how I work it. Um, and how long after a feed do I pump? Sometimes straight after. If I feel like Amandine hasn't taken the full feed, I will pump. Um, sometimes I will take quite a bit longer. Like, for instance, this morning, I didn't have a bra on when I was feeding Amandine, so using the LV without a bra is quite tricky. So I fed Amandine and then got dressed, got showered, and then pumped my milk at, like, an hour later, perhaps. So I think that's that question answered. When to start pumping to allow hubby to bottle feed? Guidelines, I would say, follow the four to six weeks if you definitely want your husband to help you. Not a breastfeeding question, but thumb-sucking question. Does A's thumb go red? Do you use anything to help it heal? Oh my god, in the beginning it went so red, so chapped, looked so sore. I The only thing I would put on it maybe was a bit of nipple balm cream that I used to put on my nipples because that's safe for them, it's really soothing. So that purple tube again, I put that on just the thinnest, thinnest, thinnest little bit just to soothe it. But I think they grow out of it. Amandine's thumb is great now, doesn't look red at all. So I think it's just the skin getting used to being sucked that much. So it will pass. It seems it will pass. Does the letdown milk okay to give on its own or does it need to be mixed with richer milk i think you are the same person asking that same question but i think it's okay as far as i know it's okay but if you're giving it i suppose for a nighttime feed you might want to mix it with richer milk but i think during the day just to pass them over or whatever i think that's fine for freezing milk can i collect milk over a couple of days and then freeze or do you freeze straight away Normally I freeze straight away, but for instance, um, I had milk left over in my fridge from a couple of days ago that we didn't use before we went away to France, so I put it in a freezer container, and I think it's fine. I think it's fine, so long as it's, I would say, not a cup more than a couple of days old before it goes in the freezer, but yeah, if your fridge is nice and cold, I don't see why. That's a problem. How long can you keep express, expressed milk in the fridge? I think if your fridge is below four degrees, you can keep it in there for up to five days. When I pass three days of having milk in the fridge, I always smell it, just to be sure, because sometimes if you leave the fridge door open by accident or something like that, or maybe your fridge is really full after a supermarket shop, um, then that might affect how cold your fridge is. So yeah, I, I normally go by about three days, but I think five days is fine. You mentioned a dream feed. When do you start a routine? I'm currently breastfeeding on demand. I think I, well, I did start dream feeding her when we put Amandine to go to bed at around seven or eight o'clock and then I dreamt fed, dream fed before I went to um, bed at 10 o'clock. We've now dropped the dream feed. We dropped the dream feed when Amandine was probably eight months um, and... It was really easy to drop it, but when did I start it? Mm, God, when did I start it? Oh, I'd say really early, maybe eight 
to ten weeks, something like that, I think. Uh, yeah, something like that, I'd say. I'm pretty sure that's when we started putting her up. Obviously, the dream feed. <laughs> the dream feed, I don't think it really ever worked as a dream, dream feed for us. Um, because she would, she went through only till three o'clock for a really long time. And then it was only, I'd say, since she was past six months that she started going until four, maybe 5 a.m. Um, and she never went from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Nothing like that ever. But I know it works for loads and loads of people. But for me, it was great to feed her at 10 o'clock before I went to bed. It just made sense. It just made sense. Uh, best bottle and teat for breastfeeding. From what I can say, I would say the Minbi. It's worked really well for us. I love the fact they're glass bottles. Um, I really like that. So I would recommend glass bottles all the way if you can. And the teats on the Minbi. So they have teats for newborn times uh, slow and fast for newborn then I think it's like one month plus then it's three months I think then six months then nine months I've been using the times one fast or something teat because it's all I had um since day one right up until a couple of weeks ago because I didn't really realize you were meant to change the teats so I then bought a six month paste teat and also nine months plus teat. And I don't really think she opens, She knows the difference. Other than it's probably less hard for her to get the milk out. Um, but that's what I bought. And they're Minbi teats. And they've worked really well for us. They're great. Please share everything. Well, I hope I am sharing enough. We're struggling with this. Um, our son just uses the bottle as a teether and bites on it. So did Amandine. And I encouraged it. I didn't take it away. I really didn't, and it was great for her. Um, it encouraged her to put it in the mouth. I know you're not meant to do it, but it was in, it was encouraging for her to put it in her mouth. Maybe try and give him some teething powder just before um, to ease off in case that it is to do with the teeth before you try giving the bottle. Um, let the teething powder work. So maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes if you can before giving them the bottle. Um... But Amandine did that too. She played with it a lot. There was a lot of wasted milk during this. We wasted a lot of milk. And yes, I shed some tears over the amount we wasted. Um, but yeah, encourage it. Encourage them to have something in their mouth. Some people say it encourages them then to bite down on your nipple. That obviously you don't want to encourage. I haven't had that problem. Amandine bites my boob when she's done with feeding. She'll then play with my boob and then occasionally she'll explore biting. But it's rare. It's a rare occurrence and I don't think it links into me giving her the bottle just to play with. Um, okay, more questions. Is the LV pump worth the investment? Investment? <laughs> Is the LV pump worth the investment? best breast pumps I have only ever tried two the nature bond which is more of a milk collector I wouldn't recommend that I didn't get on with it I know some people love it but I didn't get on with it um LV pump worth the investment I've only ever used the LV pump for me yes because I can sit on the sofa and watch tv I know you can do that with lots of cables but 
Hendrik finds the facts of breast pumping quite gross anyway, so it's nice for me to be able to hide it in my jumper. It's nice when we come to France, for instance. I was eating my breakfast in front of Hendrik's parents whilst breast whilst pumping because I needed to. My breast was getting really engorged. It was very obviously bigger than the other one, and it needed to be done. Um, and no one really noticed. It was fine. It was covered underneath. I watched a movie the other day whilst breastfeeding. Um, uh, sorry, not whilst breastfeeding, whilst pumping with the LV pump. Not in a cinema, but, you know, I didn't have to have cables out everywhere. It does leak, yes. Um, I do believe I read a review with someone saying... It has a lifespan of, is it, I, I might need to find this out for you, 250 pumps or 500 uses or something. Now, if you're spending that amount of money on it, you kind of want it to last a lifetime. Now, I don't know how many times I've pumped, but I could try and average this out for you. If I pump, let's see if I can do this. If I pump twice a day for, let's say, uh, let's say 10 months because that's probably normally, that's, okay, okay, if I pump twice a day, seven days a week, that's 14 times in a week, let's average four weeks in a month, over 10 months, okay, I'm putting this into the calculator, okay, so my calculator is saying that's 560 times I'm going to pump, that does not sound right, I'm going to check the maths <laughs> and I'll put it on my Instagram for you because yeah, you want your, I want, I would want my pump to last at least two babies. I would not want to go out and buy another pump. Um, so, but for me, it's been brilliant. Yes, it was gifted. I didn't have to pay for it. So it's very easy for me to say that, but for me, it really has been great. Um, I have had to send it back once complete being completely open with you I've had to send it one back one back once because it was continually sucking my nipple in which was extremely painful um but they sent me a replacement hub straight away no questions asked it was great um yeah no issues so for me it's been really good if the LV is it worth it do I need two now I my friend Rebecca did buy two or did get two and she because she went back to work, so she need to pu needed to pump both boobs. She did get to. I would say if you're not going back to work um, yet, and you don't need to pump at work, and you don't need to get rid of all of your milk, um, one is fine. I'd say one is fine. I'm doing absolutely fine with one anyway. Do I need to pump as soon as the baby is here? Should I buy one before arrival? No, no, absolutely not. I don't think you need to pump until they're, you know, if you want to start giving the bottle you don't really want to be doing it until four to six weeks some people say pump out some of the colostrum I didn't I wouldn't I don't think again if I had a second baby I wouldn't change anything um no need to buy one see how you feel see how you're getting on um yeah I was prepped and ready before Amandine came on, way too prepped and ready. There were things that I bought which I really didn't need to buy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't need to rush out and buy one straight away. See how you go with breastfeeding first. You might fall in love with it like me and decide you want to wait a little bit longer. Um, if you are overly engorged, however, breast 
pumping can come in really handy and also if you want to start already to create a bit of a backlog in your freezer then you could also start pumping but don't forget the more you pump if your baby isn't taking it the more your body thinks it needs to produce essentially your pump is the twin of your baby if you think about it that way that's what I was told so if you are pumping more than what your baby is taking, your body will produce more. So it'll keep coming. So you'll need to keep pumping until you, you know, stop pumping, essentially. So just be aware of that. How to prevent mastitis. Any tips? A cold cabbage leaf, apparently, takes all the heat out of your boob. And feeding on demand, I believe, really, really helps. Trying not to let your breasts get too engorged. That really helps also. So yeah, if they are and baby isn't, you know, taking as much as you need them to take, then pump the excess out. Trying to get baby to the end of the feed, so get to get the heavy milk out, the, the thick, you know, good, good, good milk out. I'm not saying, however, that the, the fore milk and the hind milk, one is good, one is bad. That's absolutely not. Any milk for your baby is going to be great. Um, yeah. But cold cabbage leaf, if you feel mastitis is coming on, cold cabbage leaf for sure. And get to the doctor, get to the doctor, catch it early. If you have any hints of it, get to the doctor, they can help you. Do not let it get too far. That's when it becomes really nasty. I didn't have it. Um, Drink loads of water, loads and loads and loads and loads of water, especially first breastfeeding. I would get through two large swell bottles, which are the reusable aluminium bottles or whatever they are, steel two two big ones um every night whilst I was breastfeeding with almondine in the early days now I don't even drink a glass of water which is naughty but drink lots lots and lots and lots breastfeeding tops I have to say my favorite ones were just my really stretchy um strappy tops they were my favorite breastfeeding tops they were brilliant I loved them um yeah do the thing I said at the beginning strap top down jumper up boob out Et voila. Any advice for expectant mums hoping to breastfeed? Any advice for expecting mums hoping to breastfeed? Relax. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Relax, relax, relax. Find a position that's comfortable for you. I will never forget the breast, uh, the breast, the health worker coming over and adjusting my breastfeeding position and it actually made it more comfortable and the most comfortable position I found was we have a sofa where I can put my feet up so I wedged my feet in the gap between the two cushions have um, Amandine on one arm uh, and my legs because they're pressed up against my body a bit holding the weight of Amandine with my back up against the sofa that's my breastfeeding position. I love it. I'm not sitting in a chair. I'm, you know, virtually lying down on a sofa and that's how it works for me. Armchairs I really struggled with. I actually got rid of our Ikea armchair um, for our nursery because I found that having Amandine's legs, she'd push off the armchair, the arm on the armchair, and then she'd fling herself round and it became really uncomfortable. Breastfeeding cushions never worked for me either. I was not a fan. I actually found like sitting on the floor with my knees up the most comfortable position. So don't always think, I'll try and share it with you on my Instagram when I'm breastfeeding, what position I sit in. Don't always um, think that what they say in the books or what they say when they come over and tell you how to breastfeed is going to work for you. Everybody is different. Just find what's comfortable for you. You do not have to stick by the book. (laughs) Um, What else to say? If, yeah, I would say, you know, if you want your husband to really help you in the very early days, do 
try and get them to take the bottle between four and six weeks. Some babies will just do it, you know, months down the line anyway, but mine didn't. <laughs> um, so if you do want to, then yeah, go by the guidelines. Also, breastfeed on demand. I really would. It's really worked for us. I loved it. Um, Amandine would feed, you know, every couple of hours. I think one day she fed um, between 18 and 19 times in a day, very early on when she was cluster feeding. But uh, now she feeds roughly every four hours, I'd say. And still, in addition to me weaning her, but she still probably feeds every four hours. And it really works for us. She's created her own little routine and they will. They'll get into their own routine. Trust your baby. Trust your body, I would say. Um, your baby will take what it needs normally unless you feel like their weight's decreasing or, you know, they're not getting enough or your latch isn't... Get your latch checked. Definitely get your latch checked. Go and seek advice um, if you're not sure if it's right. Um, and yeah, relax. Just relax into it. You'll be great. You'll be absolutely great. Right, last question. I'm a mum of 23-month-old who struggled to breastfeed. I never thought I'd be someone who didn't breastfeed. It just didn't cross my mind and still makes me really sad. Our issue was the latch. My son wouldn't latch. He screamed every time. He went near my boobs, lost weight. My question to you is how did it work for you initially? What things did you try or did Amandine just get it? I'm pregnant again with my second and I'm going to make it work this time. So I have a lactation consultant I'm going to contact, but it would be helpful to know what you did in the early days to be so successful. Amandine really did just take to it like a pro. There's not much else I can say, unfortunately. Um, literally after I'd given birth she found her way to the boob my the midwife shoved my boob in Amandine's face and that was that um sorry if you hear a bit of noise Hendrik has just come into the bedroom looking for something um we did struggle with our latch yes but the health worker did come and help I also went to the midwife unit they checked it for me again when we ha were having our checkups and I persevered and persevered. It sounds like your little one was adamant not to go there. We didn't have the screaming sensation um, or anything like that. Or Amandine lost weight, but it was only the initial 10% that, you know, they're allowed to lose um, when they start off. So it really is a tricky one. I think you're definitely doing the best thing, going to a lactation consultant to help you get help in those early days um, and fingers crossed for you. Let me know how you get on. I would love to hear from you. So that is the end of the questions. Thank you so much for sending them all in. I really hope that's helpful for you. If you have any other questions off the back of this podcast, then please let me know and I will answer them for you. Just DM me at mumtalkpodcast Instagram page or email me mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. I think I have waffled enough about the about breastfeeding, but hopefully that was helpful for you. It'll be guest week next week. I will catch up with you all then. Have a lovely rest of your week and I really hope this has been of some help. <laughs>